This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Shelley Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. What I'm going to speak on tonight, I, I've thought about sharing about it, but um, it's kind of like I've, I've never really heard a pastor get up and like, give like a whole message on it, and it's how to study the Bible. But it's a question we get asked over and over and over. And you get to hear, I mean, I'm sure your pastors, you hear on TV, they're like, you need to get in the Word. You need to let the Word get in you. You need to read your Bible. You need to study your Bible. But when I first got saved, it was like, well, how do I do that? So tonight I'm going to give you some very practical things. Before I do that, I want to show you a picture of a Gideon Bible. Larry doesn't know this. I told him I had a couple of really good stories. So um, if you'll go to that first picture for me, Ashley, and I'm going to read. Okay, can you see the state of that Bible? All right. This is Tracy Taylor's. Tracy, raise your hand up. This is what he wrote when I told him Sunday, the Gideons are coming, and he told me this story. So I made him send it to me, and he said, I was given this Bible at Fort Benning, Georgia, in November of 1986. I carried it throughout my career. I put it in my pocket on every airborne operation and mission I took part in, including combat operations in Desert Shield and Storm and Operation Just Cause in Panama. I was not saved and not dedicated to the Lord, but I always knew I was protected and blessed when I carried it and read it. As you can tell, it has seen a few miles. I know God ordained my steps from day one till today. I just didn't always know it, and I definitely didn't deserve it. Isn't that neat? See, God has used us. I'll just say as Americans, we take it so for granted. We take our Bibles so for granted. How many of you have more than one Bible? How many of you have more than five Bibles in your house? More than ten uh, that's pro- at our house. I mean, we have them, at, you know, all over. There's just Bibles all over. And but I'll tell you, in other countries, it's not like that. People long to have the scriptures, long to have a Bible in their language, and we're going to talk about that. So, um, on your paper, did all of you get a handout? If you didn't, raise up your hand. Our ushers have those. If you want a handout, because I want you to see it, write it, so hopefully you'll remember it. And there's going to be some things on there that you um, might can read better on there than up on the screen. I have a lot of pictures to show you tonight. While they're passing that out, I want to go over the first scripture, Ephesians 6, 13 through 17. It talks about the whole armor of God. And he gives us all these things that we are to have for our armor that protects us against the enemy. And one of the things that he says in there, the last scripture there, verse 17, he says, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so the, the sword, we think sometimes we're going to come against the enemy with our mouth or with, you know, we're going to hit him, we're going to have this gun or this knife. But the Bible says this is our sword. This is the sword that we fight the enemy with. It is, we are in a spiritual battle. Some of you may think, oh, it's against people and this person does this and, you know, my parents did this or this happened to me. No, you're in a spiritual battle and you need your sword. 
You need this sword to be able to um, protect yourself, to be able to go on the offense against the enemy. So we're going to talk more about that um, on your paper. God has healed and restored me, I'll just tell you. He has healed me, spirit, soul, and body through the power of his word. That's not an ordinary book. It's not like another book. And when I go out, I've started going out to um, Lubbock County Detention Center, something new for me. Another thing, just like mission trips, I said I would never do. And I never wanted to do prison ministry. And the Lord has just opened a door in my heart to those precious, precious ladies. So I'm getting to go out there, and I'll just tell you, they have stacks of Bibles. They have stacks. They bring in these carts that have all these books on them. And some of those girls are like, yeah. And they name these other uh, religions that have come in, and they have their books there. It's not the same. This is the power of the Word of God to restore us, to heal us, and to change us. If you're looking to anything else in your life, you're going to be mistaken. It's only through the Word of God. How many of y'all need some change in your life? I know I do. We all do. Never think that we get to the point where we don't need it. So the Bible has a power to change your life because there is life in the Word. There is life in it. Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, and it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So there it is again, talking about the Bible, the Word as our sword. It is a weapon for us against the enemy. And I love that it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Sometimes we're our worst enemy, right? And if we'll get in the Word, the Word will expose the things that we need it to expose to help us to change. Last scripture I want to read before I go into the how-tos. John 8, 31 and 32 says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. He's telling us how to be a disciple by staying in his word and staying in his word. Okay? And, and the result of staying in his word is we know the truth. How many of y'all hate to be lied to? I just hate it. Or be deceived. If someone does it, I'm like, why would they do that? The Bible says it gives you the truth, and it says that truth sets you free. Many of us have chains, we have things from our past, our childhood, and the Word of God is what will set us free when we abide in the Word and stay in the Word. So the first thing about studying your Bible, okay, we're going to get real practical. Which translation do you use? Which translation? Look up here on the screen, and I, may, I put it on your paper as well. If you go to uh, one of the Christian bookstores and you say, I want a Bible, their first question is going to be, what translation? I know at Mardell, if you go in, that whole back wall, start to finish, is different translations. Some are small letters, some are big. I need the bigger letters now, large print. But all kinds of translations. And, and most people are like, well, what's the difference? 
okay? Lots of people ask Pastor Stormy, what version do you use? And I'm going to talk a little bit about him. Him and I have some differences in that. But here's something I want you to know. When you're thinking about translations, look at that. That's a continuum, that graph. We're going to call it a continuum. If you look, there's a lot of the major translations on there. If you look on the very left side, these versions are going to be word for word. They've taken the Hebrew and the Greek, because y'all know the Bible was not written in English. Y'all are aware of that? Okay, let me give you some revelation. So they have taken the Hebrew and the Greek and word for word translated it into these different languages, okay? So you can see there all those different ones, the most that it's word for word, and then you can see it goes down. Look at the ones on the right. The right side of this continuum, they've taken the Hebrew and the Greek original texts of the scriptures, and they translated them thought for thought. I'll just tell you, these over on the right-hand side are going to be easier for most of us to read. Most normal people that don't have a Bible scholar degree, it's going to be easier to read these. Um, I got the opportunity to go to Guatemala and to, and I go to Mexico quite often because, you know, remember I said I wasn't ever going to do missions and now I do it all the time. So when I went to Guatemala, we had um, a translator. One conference, women's conference I did, there was a Spanish translator. So I would talk in English and give, give but they, I would talk and then they would translate. But I couldn't do one word at a time. Number one, it would have taken forever. But they would tell me, when you speak with a translator, you give a whole thought. Then they take that thought and then they translate it into Spanish. Well, then we did a conference. We went up in the mountains in Guatemala, too, and there were a lot of native people, and it was a triple translation then. So I would speak in, it was the weirdest thing ever. I'd never seen it. I would speak in English, not on a microphone. So I would speak in English my message. I would speak a thought. It would go to our Spanish translator, and she would say it on the microphone in Spanish, and then there was a young man next to her, and he would translate it into one of the native languages. Um, it was a Mayan, ancient Mayan language um, called, I believe it was Hakaltenango. It was Hakalteco was the name of the language. And so, uh, and then I had to wait, and I had to be, it was just really funny. Sydney and I both did this. We would have to be telling our next thought to the Spanish translator as the Hakalteco uh, translator was saying that thought. So it was a thought for thought. Can y'all see the difference here in the translations? That was an example of, now, if you want to get very literal to the Hebrew and Greek, a lot of those on the left are going to be closer to that. Personally, again, uh, they're easier to read over on the right hand. So keep this in mind as I go through and talk. So at Bible school, Pastor Stormy and I went to Bible school very young in life. We Y'all know a little bit of our story. He was there. Uh, I graduated high school at 17, got married two weeks later. We went to Bible school two weeks after that or moved up to um, Oklahoma to go to Bible school two weeks after that. Um, little side note, got 
pregnant three months after that and had our daughter a year later. So our life was real exciting. But at Bible school, we had just gotten saved. We had been, I mean, you've heard Pastor Stormy's, um, his, what he had gone through, and he still wasn't out of it. I'll say when I got saved, the Lord, nothing against me. It was just the goodness of the Lord. When I gave my heart to Jesus, it was the complete 180 turnaround. I went from darkness to light. My friends in high school thought I had gone off the deep end. But uh, he struggled with alcohol for um, a five-year period after that. But anyway, we didn't have a lot of Bible knowledge. We go to Bible school Feel the call of God on our life. Go to Bible school. It was like a dump truck full of information on us for a year. Taught us faith like nothing else. It was Kenneth Hagin. If y'all, he's a he's passed away now, but Kenneth Hagin, very famous, but he used the King James version. And so we we thought we were real uptown. We bought these King James versions, Rama Bibles, and I mean we cherished those. Because we didn't have money then, and we cherished those. But it was so hard to read. Literally, I would read it, and then I would have to stop and, like, translate it in my mind. What, is that, what are they really saying? And it was very difficult for me to really study and get a lot out of that. But back then, there weren't a lot of other translations, okay? This was early 80s. So, we did that at Bible school. Your pastor is very, very, very attached to his New King James Version. He loves his New King James Version. I'll just tell you all, he's very attached to his Bible. He does not like change. Have any of y'all ever seen his Bible? I know a few of you have. Um, it looks really good now because his daughter got so tired of it. Literally, pay, Genesis had fallen out. Um, it was the cover, we have a very funny story, I don't have time, i got to hurry, but um, of him trying to glue it back together, and he did it right here in one of his, this chair that used to be right here, and, and he did it with Gorilla Glue, and he didn't realize it expanded. So we'll just say uh, there was a very tragic end to that chair, and his Bible was never the same. So about a year ago, I think it was for Father's Day, um, our daughter Amanda uh, took it to someone, and they rebound it and put this nice new cover on it. But Sunday, he got up, and I said, I noticed a little piece of paper on the stage. I said, here's part of your Bible. It fell out. But he's very attached to his new King James Version. He likes it a lot. Personally, I like to read the New Living Translation, NLT. Okay, you can look up there. It's, uh, if you see, it's going to be about a third of the way in right here. The reason I like it is because it, I can read it and not have to translate it all. It's exactly how I would talk. And so it has really revolutionized. When I got my hands on it first, there was a couple. The NIV was probably my first one after the, the King James to really be able to understand it. And I read the NIV for years. I still use all of them, okay? When we study, Pastor and I both use many translations. He likes his physical Bibles. He's got this big old wooden desk, and he literally has Bibles. If you go in there while he's studying, they're, they're all open and laying there. Okay, that's a great thought for me. I, my desk is covered with piles of stuff to do. Um, 
And I like, and I'm going to show you, I like to use different versions, but I do it a little bit different way. So, next question. What medium do you use for a Bible? And this is what I'm talking about. Do you use a physical Bible? Okay. Or do you use a digital Bible? Is one better than the other? Because there's, I got on, online to uh, look this up. There's many schools of thought on this, and many people argue about which one is better. A lot of older, older people, Bible scholars, they're like, only the physical Bible. But I will tell you, this digital Bible has, has revolutionized people reading the Bible. Did you know three-quarters of Americans have smartphones? So therefore, they have access to a Bible. Because you know what? I don't always have room and I don't always carry this with me. But how many of us, this is with us all the time. And so having a digital version, I like to say that you need both. You really do. Um, if, for those of you that only have a digital version, you need to upgrade yourself. And you need to get you a physical Bible. And you know why? Yes, you can take notes in here, but there's things I've written in my Bibles that are precious to me. They're precious. I write things. I mean, you can write answers to prayer. I mean, I like to highlight. I, and you know, it's not a sin to write in your Bible. This is God's word to you. So when he's speaking to you, write down something in there. Okay, so both mediums, physical and digital. So on your paper, the meaning of the text does not change from paper to digital. Same meaning, okay? The only thing that changes is the way we receive the information. Y'all know the digital Bible will even read to you. Some people are like, I mean, there's some young mothers that are like, I, do, I really don't have time to sit down. If I sit down for two minutes, my kids are there. I need this. I need this. And so, I mean, I've told them, I'm like, you have your phone while you're sitting there looking in the mirror, putting on makeup or giving that kid a bath or whatever it is, doing dishes, turn that Bible on and let it read to you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, and it will read to you, okay? I'm going to show you that in just a second. I'm going to uh, give you an example of that. So Christian books, movies, podcasts, digital Bibles, they all represent more ways to focus on what truly matters in this life. Larry hit it on the head with it's a relationship with God getting people to accept Jesus. Modern Christians, we have the option. Especially Americans, we have so many options available to us. So here's a couple of different Bibles I want to show you, okay? Um, this is my current, and it is the most, it's the biggest, most bulky thing um, when I read it in the morning. Sometimes my hand starts aching because it's heavy. Uh, I bought it about a year ago, and I did not start it, but it is called a um, chronological study Bible. I'm going to talk about the chronological in a minute. But a study Bible, okay, has different tools in it. So this up here, can y'all see above the line? 
This is the scripture, and then it has lots of information that tells you about the scripture. There's pictures. How many of y'all like pictures? Because sometimes it helps you to see and understand. Um, I was reading about Jesus the other day, and when he went into Jerusalem before he died, and it had a whole, um, it had a example of what the uh, temple looked like. It has maps in it. It has all kinds of things to help you. But I'll tell you, this is pretty in-depth. This was my, I mean, I've studied before, and I've had, but this is, I'm really getting into it. it. I can't read very much in the Bible because there's so many notes on it. So this is, a, this is a study Bible. I showed you my regular Bible. I have this one that I can carry around. It's light. I carry it around. I've had this for years. Um, I write notes in it. Um, I have to have pretty good light, though, because the, the, it's kind of small writing right now. So, but it's very portable. When I go to the, the jail, we can't take a hard Bible. So you have to have a soft one. So this one is going to, this one's been going with me. Um, this is a Bible I read many, many, many times. And this changed my life. This is a New Living Translation. And it's, it was my first chronological Bible. And it is a one-year Bible. Okay, let me tell y'all. How many of y'all have read through the Bible completely? Raise your hand. Good. I had done it before, but again, in a translation that wasn't real easy to read, and I just did a regular one-year Bible, and those are great. But I will tell you, when I read it chronologically, it, it really, really opened up the scriptures. Because what it does is it, you know, y'all know the Bible that we have today where it has, you know, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It has, so in the Gospels, which is what those four books are, it has them, but they're individual stories. So you read all of Matthew, then you read all of um, Mark, then all of Luke, all of John, okay? The chronological Bible takes those stories and it puts them in the order in which they actually happened. So it'll have Matthew, then it'll take you to Mark, where it actually, where Mark's version of that story is, and then you get to go and see, oh, John wrote about that too. In the Old Testament, when you're reading the stories of King David and you read he was hiding out in this cave from King Saul, guess what? You go to the psalm that he wrote at that time about that happening. It just, in my mind, it helped the Bible make so much sense to me. And I will tell you, this was a one-year chronological Bible. If, you, if you've never read the Bible completely in one year, it's quite a challenge. Most people are like, yeah, I can do that. But when you actually have to do it and you have to sit down, and if you get behind, it is a booger to try to catch back up. Um, so I love this. And then this is my newest Bible. And I'm still getting used to it. I've wanted one. This is called a journaling Bible. A journaling Bible. What a journaling Bible does, I thought I marked my space, is a journaling Bible gives you uh, room to write on the side. So before I had to write in little pieces, this actually has an area. It has lines on the side, and I can actually write my notes here in the Bible. So it has, so y'all understand? 
So it has room for you to write notes. Before, I used a journal, and I would write my notes in my journal and then sometimes write things in my smaller Bible. But this, you can actually write everything in here, which I think is really cool. I'm trying it. Why do we have so many Bibles? I just think you have to, because when I read this, I read this for many years. I'm going to say seven years. I read the Bible through once a year for seven years. And again, it was good, but sometimes we get a little too used to things. I love Beth Moore talks about a new Bible. Have you ever heard her talk about it? Oh my gosh, you should look it up. She tells the best story about it and how it really makes your brain work harder because guess what? You don't have all those scriptures marked. You have to go back in and do that. But it brings new light to things that maybe you'd taken for granted before. So find out a Bible. I'm going to leave these up here at the end of the service if you want to look at any of them. So those are the different paper Bibles. Now I want to talk to you about Bible, the digital Bibles, okay? Bible apps. Look up here on the screen. And I have three different ones, okay, on the, and I showed you what it looks like. If any of y'all want to download them right now, you can do that. The one on the left is actually the one that the Gideons are a part of, and it's called Bible.is, okay? The one in the middle is probably the one that most Americans have, most of you have, and that's version. It's put out for free by Life Church in Oklahoma. That's a ministry of their church, and they give out, they, I mean, it's, it has over a million downloads, I think, 3.15 million. This was today. Um, and then the one on the right is something that I'm going to talk to you about that I use when I study. It's called Bible Gateway. It's an app as well. There's others out there, but I think these are probably the three main ones, okay? So I want to show you the next picture is this is Bible Gateway. I told y'all we use different translations when we study. Now, it's hard to do this on your phone, but I'm, when I'm studying on my laptop or my office computer, I can pull up five different versions at one time and see what each one says. And this would be a good place if you don't know which translation you want to go and if you're going to invest in a new Bible, go to BibleGateway.com and it's real easy to use. At, um, pull up five translations that you think you might like and then pull up a scripture like John 3.16 or, or a story that you know and read how, it, how it's written and that will probably help you to know, oh, okay, I like this version better, okay? So the Bible is app. I told you it was from the Gideons. The last time uh, the Gideon was here, he had told me, Actually, it was at a banquet, I think, two or three years ago. And they had given me this little card. Larry has some out here on the table. Well, I really didn't think that much about it until I was in Guatemala in February. And I told you we went up to this mountain church, and the native people, I forgot to put a picture of this in, but the, many of y'all saw the pictures. I mean, the women still wear the native clothes, the skirts that tie that are the plaid, and they wear their hair in the, uh, there's a name for that thing. I forget what it is. Um, but anyway, I went there, and we're in this mountain church, and I meet this one pastor. 
and he was so sweet. But the, the pastor of the church where we were at was saying, yeah, he has a church up in the mountains, but most of the people don't have a Bible because they speak this Mayan language. So I said, what language is it that they speak? And so he told me it was called Akateko, which was different than Hakoteko, which was what where we were at um, in, with our missionaries. Um, that was the language that they were speaking. But this was a very remote, very, uh, very unknown language. So I get on my phone. I look on the Bible dot in Spanish. It's called Biblia.es. But I looked on there, and guess what? They had that translation. You will never believe it. So we're talking to this pastor, me in English, this, the pastor of the church in Spanish, and the pastor from the mountain church. He knows Spanish, but we're talking. I look this up, and I pull up this version of the Bible, and it starts speaking in his language. It's reading his language to him. Jesus. You should have seen his face. Like, how in the world? So I show him then, because he could read. I show him, but then I also showed him at the bottom, it has, you know, this button that you can start, you can play it. Some of the translations have where you can actually play it for them. It was so cool. I had to tell uh, the uh, director, is that what he does? The director of the Gideons here. Um, he gives us Bibles sometimes to take down to the orphanage. So I was like, I have such a great story to tell you about Guatemala. But then, about a month later, I was down at the orphanage in Mexico. And there were three boys that they were telling me about that were from the mountains in Mexico. They're called Tadahumata. They're Indians, the Mayan Indians. And so they were telling me that's what they speak. So in my mind, I pull up the Bible, Bible.s, um, Biblia.s. I pull that up and I look and I see that, oh my gosh, there is a translation for the Tadahumata Indians. So I pull it up real fast and I want to show you a picture. Can y'all see that? The lady on the right is Josefina, who is the director of the orphanage. She's in her 80s. She's Miss Old School Mexican Grandma. I mean, hardcore. She's about the Word of God. But I show her on my phone. I start telling her about it. And I think it was hard for her 80-year-old brain to understand it until I start playing this um, version of the Bible and she's, in fact, it was laying, I had my phone and I laid on the table and she gets down and she's looking at it like this as, I, as it begins to play. And, she, and she's like, oh my gosh. And so she calls these boys over. These three boys are from that Indian tribe. And again, I start, tell, I start playing this. Well, Josefina knows a little bit of that language because there's quite a few of these Tarahumata Indians. Her, her nephew has a uh, ministry to them down in the mountains, the Copper Canyon of Mexico. And so she's gotten kids from there, and she knows some of the words. Literally, she was laughing. Um, she was so impressed with this and telling them, 
It's in your language. It's in your language. And again, these boys were just like, wow. We take it so for granted that we have so many Bibles. And some people don't have any. There's power in the Word of God. Never take it for granted. All right, let me keep going. I got a lot of stories. So, on your paper, becoming a disciple has to cost you something. When Jesus talks about being my disciple, it should cost us. It shouldn't just be something easy or everybody would do it. See, we can't just stop it and be lazy like, well, I'll just listen to the podcast. I'll just stay at home this Sunday and watch the live stream. Not going to point any fingers. The live stream is a blessing. I watched it when we went to Israel and we were sitting out at the airport, wait, delayed, our flight was delayed. I pulled it up on my phone, but I will tell you it's not a substitute for coming and, and being in this community of believers and being in corporate worship, okay? Or we get people who are like, well, I can have church at home. I can just turn on my TV and watch Stephen Furtick or I can watch Charles Stanley. You can really watch Robert Morris. There's some great preachers out there. Or I can just, on my phone, download a podcast, listen that way. But listen, it, it should cost you something to be a disciple. Okay, Jesus wants us to give him our whole heart. You have to get into the word for yourself. Okay, for yourself. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, study to show yourself approved to God. I want God to approve of me. So therefore, I want to study the Word of God. I want to be that true disciple of His. Next question, where do you start? We're almost done here. Where do you start? You can start anywhere. You can read the Bible beginning to end, Genesis to Revelation. You could read the Proverbs. There's 31 of them. Guess what? You could do one every day. That would be a great place to start. If you've never read the Bible, start in the Proverbs. You could read the Psalms, which are wonderful. They're very poetic. You could read the Old Testament, okay? You could read the New Testament. You could research by topic. You can get a concordance, either a paper one. On, again, on these Bible apps, it's so easy. You just type in the keyword that you want to search, and if you're having... You're, Dealing with anger, you can look up lots of scriptures on anger. If you need more love, look up scriptures on love. So you can study by topic. You can study the epistles, which is what the Apostle Paul wrote, um, or the Gospels, which are the letters about Jesus and his life. You can study chronologically, I told you, things that go in order. In time, you could do a one-year Bible. No matter where you are, start somewhere. Start somewhere, okay? So here's the last thing. Being able to apply what you study to your life is where you're going to begin to see change. It's, not, it's getting it from up here in your head, reading it, and getting it down here in your heart. Applying this word, okay? So here's some very practical things, steps to study the Bible. Number one, purposely set aside time for it. Make an appointment with God. Some of you that have said, I never have time, I don't have time. Well, guess what? What do you have time for? 
Some of us waste so much time on things like social media or watching some show on Netflix or doing all sorts of hobbies. But yet we, can't, we say we can't spend 10 or 15 minutes reading our Bible. Put it, in the, put it in, use this phone as a tool. Put you an appointment in there every day. Now see, I'm not an early morning person. A lot of people are like, well, you have to do it early in the morning. I'm not that person because I stay up late at night. So I do my best studying at night when it's quiet and I don't have a lot of interruptions. So it doesn't matter when, just set an appointment with God. Number two, make a place for it. A place, somewhere that you enjoy being. I know some people that they have that special chair and they like to sit in that chair and study their Bible. Doesn't matter where. Some of you that are moms, you may have to escape to the bathroom. Okay? It may be a closet. It may be sitting out on your patio. Doesn't matter where. Make a place for it. Three, have all your materials available. What does that mean? Get everything that you're going to need. If you're really going to do this studying, then you've got to plan ahead. Bible, of course. Um, you can have a Bible dictionary, a concordance. Again, um, you can ha have something to write, write with. So bring a pen. I always have a good highlighter because when I see something in my Bible, I want to remember it. And I, I highlight it. Uh, have a journal or a notebook somewhere. Because you know what? When you're reading, the Lord wants to speak to you. Take a minute as you're reading and, and really think about it. And I, the Lord's going to speak something to you about those scriptures. So have something to write with. Number four, prepare your heart. Talk to God about the things. You may need to confess some sin. You may need to um, ask him to help you with something. Whatever it is, enter into the study time very intentionally. That God, You're going to meet with God. And you're preparing yourself to do that. Number five, don't get distracted. When the notifications come up and Fox News comes up and, oh, somebody posted on Instagram and, and all these things. Who's driving by outside? Don't get distracted. If you set 15 minutes aside, then make yourself, discipline yourself to focus on the Lord during that time. The last thing, number six, apply the Word of God to your life by confessing it over yourself. What does that look like? Find a scripture. I was talking to the ladies at the prison about this because they were like, what, what does that mean? So we just went to 1 Corinthians 13 and it says, love is kind. So I said, here's what you do. Love is kind. Love is patient. So put your name in there and say, Bob is patient. Or you can say, I am patient and I am kind. For a big, a lot of you, you could stay right there on that confession for a long time. Right? Me included. And that's how you begin to apply it. It's like you're putting it onto your life, putting it over yourself. It's getting off these pages and into your heart. We don't just read, but we begin to apply it to our life. So the last thing, make it a top priority in your life to study God's Word because there is power in it to change your life and help you become the person God wants you to be. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.